1: Phil. Marca Mesuto Fil. Corner. Llegó el gol de Olivier Giroud.
2: Marca el Arsenal. Marca Olivier Giroud. Gol de los Gunners.
1: This is Arscast
2: Extra. Hello there. Welcome to another Arscast Extra. As always,
1: with James from Gunner Blog. Goodly morning to you goodly morning. It's a beautiful morning here in North London.
2: It's a, it's actually quite a nice one here in, in Dublin as well. Uh, if I open the window, if, maybe if I open the window...
1: Be careful. Don't yeah, fall out. It'll no, make no. it very difficult for me to finish the podcast.
2: Well, there was some nice birds out there a few seconds ago and in typical style, they've fucked it Fucked it for me. I was gonna like, like birdsong would enter this podcast, and people would get the sounds of summer, and they could almost feel the warmth. But they'll just have to take my word for it that it's not completely mi- miserable here.
1: So they'll have to try and believe you. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, know. You know, I, I'm dubious about these birds. I think they might be a figment of your of your lonely imagination. There. I know.
2: I know. But look, it's gonna be it's gonna be a bit of a week. Should we tell them? Tell them. Tell them. Announce away. Okay, well, before I tell them, I'll just tell them that today's show is sponsored by Cornerstone, uh, where you can get excellent razor blades. Uh, They're much cheaper and better than any razor blades you can get anywhere else, basically. And you get £10 Mm -hmm. off, or your money back if you don't like them. It's a brilliant idea. So go to cornerstone.co.uk forward slash arseblog, and you get your discounts and all those kind of things, and it helps the podcast. And this week there's going to be, should we say,
1: an abundance of... Podcasts? Yeah, uh, if anything, too many. I, people I, are going to be sated, aren't they?
2: I, I think so. I think so. Basically, what we're going to do is, given that it's the last week of the season and we could probably do some themed shows like the best of the season, the worst of the season, our favourite moments, uh, player reviews and all those kind of things. Not that we've given this in, uh, any serious consideration or thought or no planning, planning. whatsoever, as, as always. But we're going to do an Arsecast Extra every day. For this week.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Mm. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday. And possibly Friday.
2: Possibly Friday. Well, Why have possibly. To, yeah. Why not? Yeah.
1: We'll have to think about it. See how, see how it goes. Yeah. Can you have too much of a good thing? This week, we find out. Yes, indeed. So uh, stick with us. An
2: cast Extra every single day for you, our beloved listeners. And we're happy to do it for you. We're happy to go that, that extra mile. And then the other mile on top of that. And then the five miles... And by Thursday, it'll be like running a marathon uphill. So
1: many miles, yes, so many miles. But but running a marathon, very satisfying because you know you get all that nice feeling at the end, and you. I presume we're doing it for charity, are we? I mean, we haven't mentioned that, but let's pretend we are. That makes us sound better.
2: It does, but
1: we're not. Okay. I, I don't want to give anybody <laughs> false hope here. What, fair enough. Fair what, enough. What's the furthest you've run? Ever. What a good question. I don't think I've ever run more than probably about six kilometers.
2: Right. Was that What about yourself? On purpose? Were you escaping or was it fitness or Uh
1: that would have been purely for fitness levels, yeah. But right. I mean I, I don't think I can I don't think I've had cause and I don't think I can run for further or longer than that. What mm. about you?
2: Uh probably five K or something. I I guess during a football match you might run a considerable Maybe. distance. But that's my thing with running, is that I, I can't motivate myself to do it unless I'm running away from somebody with a football or running after somebody with a football or running with the football. There has to be, for me, in order to get any kind of uh, pleasure from running, a uh, football involved
1: in one way or the other. So, I had an idea for an invention. What's that? It's a treadmill that you run on, mm-hmm. but there's like a football like dangling down from sort of the handlebar bit <laughs> so that when you're running you're sort of kicking a ball along with you all right
2: it seems, do you think it would work
1: it seems a bit awkward a bit on. it definitely seems dangerous yeah <laughs> <laughs> also you're wearing roller skates
0: all right, you have okay. to wear
1: roller skates at all times right well
2: I mean it would uh, at least provide something good uh, for people to look at from a comedy perspective but
1: roller football roller that football. could be a thing too yeah for sure hey look we've got like a whole indoor summer sport. yeah yeah, exactly. Oh, guys, I mean, I'm, I'm. The, uh, we're gonna be fine this week. Yeah, I keep coming up with ideas like this. No problem. I have to admit, James, that I've been, I've been dreaming of you a little. Okay. Uh, go on. I mean, this happens to me a lot, so I'm not too perturbed. But okay. what do you, in what context? In the,
2: in the context of recording the podcast. That about three times in the last week, I've had these w- really weird dreams where we're recording the podcast, and it it just keeps going wrong for all kinds of reasons like i don't know you don't have a microphone or you refuse to talk into the microphone or <laughs> rather than recording one big long conversation there's about 700 bits that i have to try and piece together and i'm not Do saying it's this you, is it's...
1: anxiety like you're worried about doing all these podcasts this week What's i think going it could on? be
2: yeah it could be i i think oh, that's wow. what it is anxiety dreams and you're featuring
1: in them very heavily I mean, to be fair, sometimes I do forget my microphone, and sometimes I do just refuse to speak. Yeah. There are long periods which you have to edit out of the podcast where I just go and strike and won't do it or say anything.
2: People will people will scoff at this, but just right there, I had to ju- I had to cut out two minutes of pure silence where you just simply refused to talk.
1: I know. I thought it was brilliant, but yeah. for you, genuinely annoying. No, exactly. It's
2: it's quite irritating, and I just it's I never know literally- when you're going to do it.
1: Very literally, the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> I might do it now. See, I
2: left a bit in there for people, and uh, yeah. there you go. There you go. They See can they you. can experience what I experience. But anyway, I'm sure that this week will be fine. The anxiety will pass, and we will be able to provide uh, people with an audio download that they will enjoy. Now, we're not gonna we're not gonna promise that every arsecast extra is gonna be like an hour or. Any good? good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we but never promise that. No, in fairness. You can't break promises that you never make. That's my philosophy on things. Good, That's good. why but I... You will be able to download
1: something every day, right? Yes,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. We, we make no promises as to its quality or, yeah. or veracity or anything else, but there'll be something every single
1: day. And it's literally free, so... L- literally, yeah. Literally. It will be value. It might be value for money. Yes, <laughs> if anything,
2: for sure. Certainly better than Mangala. Better value for money than him. Seamless
1: transition there. Pretty That's good. That's the eh? kind of quality content that we're offering here. Look at that. One minute it was about the podcast. Bang Mangala. We're onto the football. Yeah. Um. Yes, he costs the same as Meza Ozil. <sighs> Forty-two million pounds. Don't get a lot for that don't get a lot of defender for that these days, do you?
2: You I would expect more defender than Man City for If I, would I was expect spending yeah, forty two million pounds on a defender, I'd want a guy who could defend first. Mm,
1: interesting. Yeah. Ottomendi's not that much better though, is he? And he was silly money too. How much did he cost? I don't know. Loads. Again, too much. Ottomendi joins Manchester City. I'm, I'm googling it. Okay, I'm googling. Here we it. go. I'm um, going to. Spe-
2: I'm going to see if I can remember. I'm going to say something like 28 million pounds.
1: In the region of 34 million pounds, according to wow. Daniel Taylor of the Guardian. Wow. From yeah.
2: where did they sign him?
1: I think Valencia.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Central defenders are hard to come by these days, aren't they? I think you you you've got to look at the central defensive market and and wonder. What the fuck is going on? Why aren't there any good central defenders? Did you see that we were linked with a central defender over the weekend? Was it the the lad from the championship? Indeed. The chap from Bolton. Rob Holding is his name. 20-year-old defender. Bolton's player of the year. There's all kinds of rumours that Arsenal are interested in bringing him in. And the uh, Bolton caretaker manager, who's also actually the caretaker. They're so short of money. Um, <laughs> he said that he was instructed by the owners of the club or the people who have the club in receivership. Now, I'm not sure what the exact situation there is, but he was instructed to leave him out of the team. He was in the team on Friday and then out of the team for the Saturday game, leading to speculation that something was imminent, a move to Arsenal or indeed perhaps somewhere else, but possibly Arsenal uh, was, was being discussed at high levels and they didn't want him to you know, do a Welbeck. And, uh, and scupper his chances of
1: explode his knee. Yeah. I mean, look, Bolton off at the bottom of the championship, having conceded 81 goals this season. So he sounds like the guy. He sounds like the guy we need.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, how, how do you draw the distinction between, hey, there's a guy who's got loads of practice at defending? Like loads. Literally, he's had loads to do. And it's like, oh, fuck. I've learned so much on this job. I was thrown right in at the deep end. I wasn't much good at defending before, and now I've had to do so much defending, I'm fucking brilliant at it.
1: That is true. His development will be accelerated. But on that basis, Arsenal's defenders should get much better, much quicker. Fuck, there's that theory done and dusted straight yeah, away. that's it. Because they <laughs> certainly get a lot of practice. Um, well, look, he, I mean, he sounds like a, a, a Carl Jenkinson-y, Callum chambers kind of signing, doesn't he? Someone who would be sort of for the future, slash the reserves. That worked out. I mean, those two have worked out really well. Yeah, they were both excellent at the weekend. <laughs> um, Callum Chambers put a lovely picture on his Twitter this morning. Did you see it of him? I saw it. With Some sunglasses or something? Yeah, red tie, that hair. He looks very smart. I don't know what he's up to. I know it's not playing football, I suspect- but aside from that... <laughs>
2: he's probably got a job interview at ASDA or something.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it looks a bit like that. Um, but, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a handsome man, so... I'm sure his, his self confidence is fine.
2: Yes, yes, exactly. Because that's how you judge somebody, and that, that's where your self worth comes from. It's that's, how well, you—that's look...
1: all I estimate people by. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So look, for the me, game... Olivier Giroud is still a top <laughs> top striker. <laughs> hey,
0: um, but he was good yesterday.
1: I thought he, he was, was good. He was good yesterday. The the team, let's face
2: it, the team performance wasn't great in general. It I was mean, another. I, one yeah, else.
1: so it was a good result, wasn't it? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. A draw at Man City, that's all right. Unbeaten in eight? I, I mean, the stuff of champions. But I i thought the performance was pretty bad, actually. Mm. I think we were quite lucky we came up against a team who seemed to have plenty of problems of their own. Yeah. How how are these the third and fourth best teams in the league? What's going on? Well,
2: maybe it's because all the others are crap as well. They really are, right? Hmm. Um, I mean, I inter- I yeah. I mean, in terms of pure footballing spectacle, I don't know that you could necessarily have expected much because, like you say, City mm-hmm. have had their problems. There, I was a little bit surprised that they weren't a bit more aggressive, a bit you know, a bit more up for it, I guess. But then it's hard to it's hard to um, it's hard to gauge on the old up for itometer where exactly they were. Because they did have some moments, though. Was that like Aguero probably should have scored to make it 3 2, shouldn't he? Or would mm-hmm. that have made it 3 1? I don't know. Um, when he ran on and put that left footed shot just wide. Uh, yeah. From De Bruyne, who looks, I'm sorry, he looks like a boy who is on the cusp of puberty. And if he- you were to hear him talk, he would sound like that character from The Simpsons. You know, the one who's always like, oh, hi, that guy whose
1: voice is always just about to break. Also, it was stressing me out that he I wasn't wearing enough sun cream yesterday <laughs> during the game. Honestly. But by the second half he was bright red all over. Yeah. And you've got to be careful, guys. It's approaching that time of year. Yes. Skin cancer is no joke. We don't want any melanoma melancholy. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) he's 24. Sounds like a Radiohead album, that, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. He's 24, apparently. 25 this summer.
2: What a youthful looking guy. I mean, I I bet that if he were a normal person, like not a footballer, he would never get served in a
1: pub without showing ID. Never, ever. He'd be like,
2: I'm 24. And they go, come on.
1: Maybe that's the secret of his football success. He can't buy f- cigarettes or alcohol, mm. so he's in such better condition than you know yeah. most players in English football. Maybe, um, maybe. I mean, it, it, what did you? I mean, where to start? So we weren't brilliant. Olivier Giroud was good, though. I mean, he scored his first goal. Let me just check the stats. Since For a January, million years <laughs> a million years. Uh, um. Yes, January 13th, Liverpool away. First league goal. Yeah.
2: I, I was a bit worried when after we kicked off the game when we passed the ball back to Kisielny, he he decided that rather than kick the ball, he would kick the air, and that put us under pressure straight away.
1: I uh, thought I, I, there was I don't quite a lot running. of that from the centre-halves, quite a lot of sort of just lumping it up in the air, slicing it away. Yeah. Um, I wondered to what degree that was to do with not having many options in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, or just panic or maybe they just don't care anymore. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fuck it. Get rid of it. Lump.
1: Yeah. I, I was worried about that as well. Cause Shalny, he looked a bit punch drunk, didn't he? Or, or just drunk. I,
2: I did notice a few people say, or, or wonder if he was actually drunk. I doubt it though. He doesn't look to me like the kind of guy who consume a bottle of wine before he goes off to play football. And then before even stepping on, on the pitch, he, uh, tries to do a keepy-up and lands awkwardly and sprains his ankle. Like, that mm. certainly didn't happen to me once on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon before yeah. I went to play five-a-side, and it was a nice day, so we sat out the back drinking wine.
1: Um, that's the only difference between you and a top-level athlete. That's exactly it,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: It's the only difference. Uh, no, he, he, that was a bit troubling. Um, I felt like the midfield didn't really get hold of the game in any sort of uh, reasonable way. That sounds like it doesn't mean anything, doesn't it? Get hold of the game. I just felt that we were vulnerable a lot of the time. Every time City went forward, I was anxious.
2: Mm. I turned on... I, I Normally, when halftime comes on, uh, I don't watch the, the pundits talking because I don't give a fuck, really, sure. what they say. But... I was sort of there watching Graham Souness, and he seemed to think that this was a gripping game of football. He was quite complimentary about both teams and about how hard Arsenal had worked. And, you know, I was going, what? This what is are you this talking is, about? This is quite bad, actually, in terms of just pure football, watching two teams. I mean, we could barely string f- five or six passes together. And I know there was a little bit of pressure from City, but not a huge amount. And it was like, why are they? Is this contractually uh, an obligation to talk about how great the game is? You know, when they they play like Super Sunday, and it's Stoke versus Aston Villa, and after seventy eight minutes there have been no shots, and then somebody hits a free kick and it deflects in in the last minute, and they talk about what a brilliant game of football it was because that's what they have to do. It was a bit like that.
1: It was. I mean, there was another strange moment I thought towards the end of the game where. I think Niall Quinn described Arsenal as having been really, really good on the day. And I was like, I mean, I'm an Arsenal fan. I I really want them to be really, really good. Mm. I'm not sure that's what I've seen, to be honest with you.
2: Maybe he Um, thought we were really, really good at not being very
1: good. Yeah, maybe. We were really, really good at being Arsenal. Yeah. Not necessarily really, really good in a broader context. I uh, I don't know. Is, is it churlish? Are we being grumpy? Should we be like, oh, 2-2? I mean, Arsene Wenger seemed pretty chipper afterwards, but with the performance. Well, yeah, I mean, pff, yeah,
2: yeah, it, pff, you know? That's kind of yeah. where I was with the whole thing, where it was like, okay, the two teams, City just been knocked out of the Champions League, Arsenal are trying to finish third or second and the players as much as we as fans can rationalize well you, you got to finish in the top three because then you don't get a champions league qualifier I think there's probably been a touch of demotivation uh, amongst the Arsenal players and it's hmm. not as if really that we've let our performance level drop over the last little while it just hasn't been very good for ages on a consistent level it hasn't been very good city haven't really been very good maybe if you look at it from a neutral point of view it was quite a good game 2-2 decent goals maybe that maybe that's where um they were looking at it but i think for for uh, from my point of view anyway i can't speak for anybody else but there was a sense of like when it got to 2-2 i was like i'll take it just stop now just stop the game. I'm well, not really that interested in seeing the rest of it or what might happen or even if we can win it. Yeah, just stop it. Like, I'll take a point. That's fine. We can do what we need to do against Aston Villa next
1: weekend and everyone's happy. And that's, were you not looking at the, the league table and thinking three points might make uh, finishing above Spurs a, a more realistic possibility? No, not really. I mean, look, I, I'd like that if it happens,
2: but uh, three points, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't even really thinking about that to be to be honest. I did enjoy watching them lose against.
1: Uh, I mean, that's been South fun Hunter. the last few that, weeks. Yeah,
2: that was quite good. They're, they're Seeing an implosion, yeah,
1: implode. Yeah, I've enjoyed that. Um, and it would be. I mean, let's be clear. It would be beyond hysterical if we somehow managed to finish above them. Yeah. Uh, in a, in the, given the respective seasons of the two clubs, if we were to still. I mean, I'm not going to talk it up because I, th- I still feel it's quite unlikely they are playing Newcastle on the last day who are rubbish mm. um, but and could well be down by that point. But I I mean, it, nothing could be funnier, really. It would uh, be very funny, yeah. It would be it would almost be funny.
2: almost as funny as the way that John Terry's Chelsea career is coming to an end. Oh, I thought you might take some
1: satisfaction from that, yeah.
2: <laughs> that was <laughs> it's, it's, funny. It's not
1: the glorious farewell he he hoped for.
2: No, I had to watch it this morning because I didn't see didn't get a chance to watch Match of the Day. So I watched it this morning. Vito Manone, a couple of great saves for Sunderland. Yeah. Don he, Vito. He,
1: he played well. And then John and
2: Terry gets a, a yellow card and then a second one.
1: And he knew I mean, the second one's ludicrous the way he gets it. He <laughs> yeah. throws himself in completely unnecessarily. I don't know, once upon a time he might have got away with it but mm. it seems people are wise to him now and uh, that's it, The he bows out with a red card No final uh,
2: game at Stamford Bridge because he gets a, an extra game, doesn't he? Um,
1: because that's it's it, a second. second sending yeah. off of the season so um, yeah, I mean, can't say I'm sorry to see him go
2: No, anyway, back to our game
1: well, uh, Let's go through <laughs> the goals
2: very quickly then City's opener
1: well, City's open. No, I should say. When I thought that, when that went in, I thought the score could get really ugly. Like mm. Arsenal started really slowly, and when City opened the scoring relatively early, I was like, "Oh dear, this feels like one of those nightmare games from a couple of years ago." You know, where we ship four or five. Mm. And even when we then got an equaliser, I just sort of thought this could be a really crazy end-to-end match. As it was, there weren't that many clear-cut chances in the game. But uh, first goal, I saw some criticism for uh, for Elneny on that goal um online about sort of you know being turned a little bit too easily what did you make of that
2: yeah maybe a little but i think he i think he pulled out of the tackle so as not to give away a penalty which mm. perhaps mm. is a little bit sensible because if he'd gone steaming into aguero and taken him down and given away a penalty people would be just as mad or more mad um but yeah maybe a little bit maybe he turned a little bit too easily I thought our failure to clear the ball leading up to that was a bit annoying as well. um yeah, uh, was that Koscielny or Montréal?
1: I can't remember. One of them. Fuck it. Basically, uh, we sort of headed it up in the air a bit, didn't we? Yeah. It was sort of. Uh, yeah. Not a great clearance. And
2: then I didn't really think an awful lot of Koscielny's attempt to uh, to block the shot. Gotta be honest.
0: <laughs> Just yeah. standing
2: there with his his arms behind his back. Just like a.
1: Are you a, are you a fan of the arms behind the back generally? No, I think it's a bit weird. I mean I get why their coaches are. Philip was one of the the pioneers, wasn't he? He was, yeah.
2: Yeah. Because he got uh,
1: caught out for a handball once. Poor um,
2: Philippe.
1: I think he needed
2: to um, he needed to do everything possible to give him the best
1: balance. But, sure, sure.
2: Uh, and I don't uh, think putting your hands behind your back
1: is is that. No, has one in the back I could get on board with, but playing like he had his legs tied together was the, the thing that really yeah. threw me. But, uh, yeah, so I I think Kashani wasn't particularly good there. And then Czech. I mean, I guess... I guess Bina is near post on both goals. Mm.
2: I think probably, probably we'll more... Yeah, we'll get on to the second one. one. So, OK, so the equaliser. Thanks, Gail Clichy. You're a pal.
1: You are a pal. <laughs> and that's uh, one of the reasons that we weren't particularly sorry to see him go, I guess. Um and also, the marking from the corner, extraordinary for Manchester City. I mean, it was right out of the Arsenal textbook. Mm. It's almost as if they've been studying the opposition, but the wrong way. That's it. That's it. Well, they did sign Clichy from us and they did sign Colo Torre from us at one stage. So maybe their long-term plan, part of their long-term plan is to emulate our set-piece coordination. Um but also, Elneny took the corner. Yeah. I know that has been happening recently. But in my head, I don't imagine him as someone who takes corners. I'm finding it slightly odd. I don't know why. He just doesn't... He's too I don't tall. Think of, yeah. I don't know. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy. It's something something I would normally assume a creative player would do. I know that makes almost no sense. But do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I do know what you mean. But it's interesting, isn't it, that a guy who's come in relatively recently into the team has been given the the chance to take set pieces.
1: Like, he must have been like, hey, guys, look what I can do. Check it out. You don't think of him as one of the more technically gifted players in the squad, um, but his delivery for, for that Giroud guy was really good. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, yeah, good header too. Um, I, I would say that he lost his marker, but I think the marker just lost himself.
1: Uh, yeah, I think the, the, marker, the marker was completely lost I think mm. he had no idea I don't even know he knew it was on the football pitch really at that point I think he was thinking
2: um, am I really worth 42 million pounds I mean that's an awful lot of money to pay for another human being that's a huge price tag on my shoulders I mean if, I- he,
1: if he had any brains at all he'd be able to answer that question very very quickly um, <laughs> instead he was just stood around deliberating it yeah. and uh, I mean, difficult to, as much as I've been frustrated with him and I've <laughs> bemoaned his place in the starting eleven. difficult to be anything but pleased for Louis Giroud. I mean, that goal's been an awful long time coming.
2: Mm. Mm. It is, a, yeah, a fairly unprecedented loss of form. Now, we know he's been a streaky goal scorer at times, uh, but I guess he's had a few assists in the last little, um, in, the, in the last uh, few weeks, hasn't he? You know, but... Still, strikers judged on goals and it was about time he got one and a decent header it was too. So the second man city goal, little mm. little red faced sunburn boy goes running through, running, 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 nobody tackles him, and then he shoots and scores. This one yeah, you might yeah. ask where where check was
1: more more I than the other so. one. I mean I look I didn't think the defending in the build up was great at all. Um kind of ran off the back of, I think it was, El, uh, El Bellerin. Bellerin was there as well. And then Gabriel really backed off, didn't he? I, I thought he sort of gave De Bruyne too much room for the shot, but it wasn't exactly ferocious when he unleashed it. Mm. And we have seen that a few times this season with Petr mm. um Apparently,
2: according to uh, Orbinho, he has conceded the most goals from outside the area in the Premier League this season, a grand total of 10 Maybe it's not just in the Premier League. I'll have to check. Uh, I'll, have I'll just check go and have out. a look here at.
1: Uh, okay. A part of me wonders if, you know, is it just. You know, he is a tall goalkeeper, very tall. And is that an inevitable vulnerability of that style of keeper? You know, someone who is shorter, lower centre of gravity perhaps got a bit more spring, they, they're going to find it easier to get down to those shots, but Mom. they won't be able to dominate their penalty box in the same way. I mean, is it just a sort of question of, well, if you go with that kind of keeper, they, they might not tick every single box. There might be areas where they are more vulnerable, and that's mm. something you have to accept. It seems to be down low to his right, doesn't it?
2: At the near yeah. post that seems to be the issue the the stat is that uh, Pettercheck has conceded more goals from outside the box than any other goalkeeper this season ten that can't just be bad luck says Orbinio and it does f- feel like that's a, a little bit of a weakness perhaps it's you know it's his right hand so that's his wrong hand uh, while mm. making the uh, the assumption that because he's uh, left uh, footed he's also left handed um so maybe that is just a bit of a weakness. People have said that, well, Chelsea defended better and left him not as exposed as our defenders have done from time to time. And I think there's perhaps an element of truth to that, that uh, with certain goals that he has conceded this season, they've come from our own carelessness or, or not quite closing down the man as quickly as we should and making tackles. But yeah, I think he will be disappointed. You could see his face when it went in. He was like, oh, not this again. Fuck!
1: Yeah, must be, it must be a real frustration for him. Mm. And, you know, I mean, he's still achieved 15 clean sheets this season and generally been a, a really good acquisition, but that is an area I guess he needs to work on. There is a long history of Arsenal goalkeepers being a bit vulnerable at their near post. Manuel Almunia, the, the ultimate exponent of that particular art, I'd mm. say.
2: Yeah, OK, so um, our equaliser then came after... Well, Giroud set up Walcott for a great chance. I thought that was a really
1: yeah. good chance. Um, Are any of them great chances with Theo in this form at the moment? I'm not sure. Yeah, that's um, a
2: fair point. But I, I don't quite know what he was trying to do at the finish.
1: I'm not um, sure he does really, no. It was odd. He he just kept uh, going I mean, in a straight
2: line. Like, he, the, Theo, the goal's to your, just to your right there. Just kind of dink it with the outside of your foot over the goalkeeper, you know, to, to to the right a bit, not straight on where the goal isn't. Outside of his foot?
1: Come on. It's Theo Walker. <laughs> Never going to happen. Never going to happen. Now, I know what you mean, though. You should have done much better. But that was a little through ball from Giroud. And his assist on the goal was absolutely brilliant, wasn't
2: Mm, it? Yeah, superb. I mean, you spoke about this last week where the wall pass from Giroud Mm -hmm. is a tactic that we've used quite a lot and it hasn't been coming off. And I think for the most part, that won't come off because of the difficulty of of uh, of creating something in in those circumstances when you've got a big strong 34 million pound central defender stuck up your ass it's going to be difficult to to create those those chances but when they do come off it works so well didn't it um for uh, for alexis he just kept running and the finish was superb like great from both of them i thought
1: yeah it's a brilliant goal a really brilliant goal and alexis's 17th goal this season And, you know, I think we've said on here he's been nowhere near the player he was for much of the previous campaign. But given that he was out for three months and given that it felt like there were at least two spells where he couldn't buy a goal, that's Mm. a pretty impressive tally. Well,
2: yeah, as I said in the blog today, if we're looking to improve next season and the guy who's had a bad season by his own standards has still scored 17 goals, I think that Mm. makes your decision making over who's staying and who's going. Uh, a lot more, uh, a lot more simple, doesn't it? Like he's got to stay, got to.
1: I think so. I think so. Are you? Is there any concern for you? There were some stories in their week in the week, weren't there, about mm. a bust up with Arsene Wenger. That I think Matt Law in the Telegraph said he'd stormed out the stadium. Mm-hmm. and You know that the, it'd been frosty on the training ground. Do you think there's any any risk of him kicking up a fuss this summer?
2: Maybe I don't know footballers are always capable of engineering a move away for whatever reason they might see fit. They're not happy or if they're not settled or if they decide all of a sudden that, okay, I don't like this club or I don't like this coach. You know, there's countless reasons. There, the reasons could be that he's got a brilliant offer from somewhere else where the money is better and perhaps, you know, I, I you just don't know. I mean, I hope, I, I really think that if we are going to make progress this summer and rebuild and there is an element of rebuilding uh, to what we need to do this summer, like, you can't you can't let Ozil or Sanchez go because they've got to be part of your squad next season because otherwise you're just taking a step backwards to take a step forwards. Whereas if other players like Rosicki, Arteta, Flamini, etc., when they go, it's not the same. They're going, they're, their departure is inevitable. Their contributions have been relatively minimal throughout the season, so it's not as difficult to replace them. But with somebody like Alexis like 17 goals and he's playing poorly whereas the other players in our wide positions haven't come anywhere anywhere near that kind of contribution so yeah he's got to stay whether it's all part of the posturing ahead of contract talks because himself and, and Ozil have uh, two years left each this summer maybe that's all part of it but uh, yeah, I thought it was a little bit worrying, you know, the stories where he's he's gone and uh left the stadium before anyone got back to the dressing room and mm. he knows better than that. Even if he's gone in a huff down the tunnel, he could be waiting in the dressing room and go, "Well, okay, sorry, whatever." But um yeah, you you can't help but be a little bit worried because um yeah, just generally there's a bit of an atmosphere that like anything could happen um with the players that we've got this summer, so so we'll see. What about you?
1: Uh, I look, I, I just think that you're absolutely right that the club can't even contemplate losing a player like that. I think it, it would have a resonance that would be bigger than, you know, the loss of just a, a mere, a, an ordinary player. Mm. Alexis and Erzur are kind of marquee signings that were a statement of intent on behalf of the club. I think to let them go at this point in our trajectory would be very dangerous uh, and feel like a. A big downgrade, a big backward mm. set unless you're replacing them with superior players. And to be honest, I can't see many superior players out on the market. Yeah. Um I mean look that's it, the thing, isn't it?
2: Yeah. We should be adding to the good things that we've got. Exactly. Not not losing them and and running to stand still, if you like. So fingers crossed on that one.
1: Uh and what else to note from the game? I suppose it's worth mentioning the Danny Welbeck thing. That was a real shame. I
2: thought. Mm. Yeah, I feel very sorry for him because I. It, he, it looks like it's bad, and it looks like he knows that it's bad.
1: Yeah, you could. I think you could see straight away, like in his expression, in his frustration, that he knew that he was in trouble. Mm. Um, and and on the replay, you could see the knee kind of buckled in that in that ugly stomach-turning way that you sort of think, oh yeah. god. Uh, it was a little reminiscent of. Somebody said on Twitter the Theo Walcott injury against uh, Spurs, you know, where he he didn't seem in absolute agony, but he absolutely couldn't put any weight on it at all. Yeah. Um, and I think he has been a bright spot. I think since coming back in February, he's been one of the players who, I you know, looks in better condition, in better form than he was to be honest for for much of last season. Yeah. So I think the Euros would have been a, a sort of nice a nice reward for him. I know as Arsenal fans, it's not necessarily our problem. In some ways, we're probably glad if players miss the the summer competitions. But with an injury that bad, that, you know, if it is as bad as we fear, it could drag on into next season as well. And that'd Mm. be a major, major blow.
2: Again, and it would affect also the planning um, yeah. for, for this summer. So, we'll look, fingers crossed that it's not as bad as we think it is. I think it'll be a real shame for him. I feel very sorry for him if he's going to miss out in the Euros because there's no question that he was going to be part of the the squad. Uh, Roy Hodgson clearly likes him a lot. But um, well, he's a
1: massive part of qualification as well. Yeah. Like England, probably the result that got England top spot in the group was when they went early doors away to Switzerland just after he'd signed for Arsenal. He scored twice in that game. It was mm. excellent, so... He made a major contribution there. And actually, if you look at the three centre-forwards we've got in the squad, uh, Giroud, Welbeck and Walcott, if you had to put money on one to definitely be part of the squad next season, it would probably be him at the moment. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just a, a real shame. And obviously we hope we hope for some good news, but he is an Arsenal player, so mm. not not holding out too much hope there.
2: No, no. Look, uh, and again, I think the player's own reaction is, is quite telling, isn't it?
1: Um yeah, I mean, he that's a situation where you can understand someone just walking down the tunnel.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's all right if you're injured, not if you're just a little bit
1: cheesed off with stuff in general. I think it was more than just the injury, wasn't it? I think he wanted to, you know, he just wanted to get off that pitch because I imagine he's feeling absolutely, absolutely gutted.
2: Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, look, we'll keep fingers crossed for Danny Welbeck um, and we'll leave it there for part one. We're going to come back with your questions and more in part two.
0: if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time well spoiler alert you can with drizzly the number one alcohol delivery app drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer wine and spirits then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes and right now drizzly is giving all new customers five dollars off their first order just enter promo code save five at checkout Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D R I Z L Y.com. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy
2: Alright, welcome back to the Arscast Extra, the start of an epic week of Arscast Extraing, reminding you again that the show is sponsored by Cornerstone. So if you need to shave, whatever bits you need to shave, whether it's your face or your bits. Arms. Yes. Whatever. Chest. You could be a cyclist. You could be one of those really baldy, streamlined cyclists or swimmers. Swimmers don't have very much hair on them at all. Do you think Head? Do you think swimmers could evolve
1: into completely hairless creatures. Maybe, yeah. They could sort of become a subspecies. Mm -hmm. That'd be weird. I mean, I'd say hairless would be the first thing. The next thing would be gills. Have you seen Waterworld? It'd be that kind of vibe.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, whatever bits you have to shave, shave them better and more efficiently with Cornerstone. Cornerstone.co.uk forward slash rspog. Get £10 off your first order and uh, you can choose all the cool shaving stuff they have there. And it does help support the podcast. So thank you very much indeed. James, we was going to do the uh, predictions. Predictions.
1: Ah, predictions. Okay. How far did we get? I guess we got to uh, the Man U Leicester game. Yeah. Manuel. Oh, Chelsea-Spurs. Chelsea-Spurs. Did we talk about that? Did we talk about that? When was that? That was last Monday. So, no, we didn't talk about it on here. So no, we didn't. we don't didn't. know our predictions. OK, about... my
2: predictions were... OK, I'm going back. So, that's three games. So, it's games. going
1: to be Tottenham's Thrinultimate game. Thrin-Ultimate. Thrinultimate. I predicted a loss. For Spurs? Yeah. OK.
2: And you predicted a win. Ooh. Well, we were both wrong. We were both I wrong. I was more wrong. It was very enjoyable, very enjoyable fair altogether, I have to say. Wonderful scenes. Yes, Wonderful indeed. scenes. Um, and then we had what was the last Leicester game before the one at the weekend? Manchester
1: United. Well, we did that it would one, have been didn't the Manchester we? Manchester United. We both we predicted we
2: both predicted a Leicester loss in that game. And they drew. And then we both predicted a Leicester win against Everton.
1: And they they duly delivered.
2: Yeah. So, what's the situation with the table at the moment um, in terms of uh, in terms of points and that kind of stuff? Let me just bring it up here because we had some final predictions on points. Um, so, my f- uh, final prediction with Leicester was seventy-eight
1: points, and they've already so they've got already 80. superseded that with eighty.
2: Yeah, and your prediction brought Leicester to eighty points, and that that's happened so there we go so if they lose at chelsea
1: next week i'll get i'll be bang on
2: well the predictions we made for that game i predicted a draw and you predicted a, a defeat for that one so that's what we're predicting for the weekend now okay, okay. tottenham your predictions james had led tottenham to a points total of 78 and they're now, only on
1: 70. Well out of reach. Well out of reach. Well out of reach. Uh, what did you predict them? Uh I predicted them to get 72 points. I mean again an impossible total for them to attain yeah. but only because you can't get 2 points in a game.
2: Yeah. So uh for the last game against Southampton you predicted a win and I predicted a draw.
1: Again both delighted to be wrong in that yes, instance. Yes, absolutely. You pretty much... So what have we predicted for... For Arsenal. No, 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 for Spurs to do next week at Newcastle. Both of us have predicted a Tottenham win. Damn. Right. Well, actually, we're quite bad at this. Yeah, so we're really shit at one. it, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's looking
2: good for Newcastle. <laughs> okay, good. And then the Arsenal um, totals that we had predicted... Uh, for yesterday, I predicted a loss, and you predicted a draw.
1: Hello! Wow, this guy knows his stuff. You're a uh, really what, good one. What our points totals. Yours was seventy four for Arsenal. No chance
2: that we're getting anywhere near that. No, it's it's actually impossible unless we get double points. For
1: could some happen. reason, it is Aston Villa?
2: Yeah, if you score more than fifteen goals, you get double points. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. that's what I I, play. I predicted seventy two. Oh, you could be very close. Hmm. Now our predictions for the weekend. I predicted a draw against Villa. I don't know what was can going you imagine? on there.
1: Imagine yeah. the, the imagine the lap of gratitude or whatever it's called. <laughs> yes. I, I can actually imagine. After a draw with
2: <laughs> and you predicted a win. Uh, so there we go. We'll see go. we'll see what happens. The lap of appreciation for the Manchester City players and manager was a bit um tepid. Oh god, it was kind of toe-curling though as well because they interviewed Pellegrini on Sky for a couple of minutes, didn't they? Or they cut to the to the interview and it was like well, there's about seven fans left in the stadium, and Samir Nasri looking like some kind of, I don't know what, with his torn, double denim, long-shirted thing going on. Like, what does he and, look like?
1: He looked like Samir Nasri.
2: Ah, uh, that's gross. It's about as
1: bad as it can get.
2: Yeah, it was bad. So I think these things are a bit, they're a bit contrived, aren't they? I think if you win something and you like wander around with a trophy, that's good. But I don't know that there's necessarily any real need for players to, to thank the fans. Do you think the players are going to be in, in the mood to thank the fans? Probably be like walking along, you know, sticking up fingers at people and going, fuck you, and a bit of mooning and all that kind of stuff.
1: Olivier Giroud just walking around the edge of the pitch with his hand cupped to his ear. Yeah. where While well, Mikel Arteta proudly parades the community shield at the front.
2: Yeah, Giroud uh, wearing his leading scorer for the season T-shirt. Up yours. Oh,
1: God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, dear, dear. I Someone know. Wheeling, wheeling Danny Welbeck around. I, yeah. I, d- I do worry. I mean, no, I mean, look, it, um, l- let's see it as an opportunity to thank, you know, Arteta and Rositsky yes. for their contributions. And Matthew Flamini for saving the world with a new energy resource. Yeah,
2: that's a fair point. That is a fair point. It goes beyond this season, particularly for Arteta and, and Um It would be nice if, if they got some some props. And obviously, if they got a chance to, to play in the game, that would be good too. Can't see them starting, but um, I think uh, they'll, they'll
1: probably be on the bench, which would be Yeah, good. well, maybe we'll talk about that later this week. Quite an yeah. interesting team that we might see on Sunday. Indeed,
2: indeed. All right, so will we get on with questions?
1: Let's, let's, have you got any lined up? Uh, okay, here's one from Ben Gorman
2: at Ben underscore Gorman. And he wants to know if you could ask Arsen Wenger one question that would get a long, honest reply from him, what would it be?
1: Wow. He's turned the tables on us there. I thought we were answering the questions. Now we're asking him. <laughs> um, uh, <sighs> Yayosinogo, why? Or (laughs) what really happened with Park Chu Young? No, I think I would have to say it's got to be something about... It's tempting to ask about what the the truth of the financial situation was in the immediate aftermath of the stadium move. Mm. Um, I think we're getting more and more on that. I feel like Arsene, as he comes more under fire, lets slip more about the reality of that scenario. And the constraints that were placed on him, although there is a slight element of moving the goalposts about that, yeah um, you know because really what you what you want to ask is 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 why why the team isn't as successful as it was, but we've heard a lot of his excuses and reasoning for that before mm. excuses is quite a accusatory word, but um I can't think of a a succinct question that that could nail that really. Yeah, um,
2: it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because there's so many things that you could ask him, so many things that have happened down the years and uh, over the over the lifetime of of uh, him at Arsenal. There are just so many things that you could say. Well, what the fuck? How? Why? What was the decision making there? Why was that decision
1: made? So it's difficult to find I, I, specifics. Yeah, I mean, the real question is one that I don't think he can answer or he would answer, which is if this squad, as you continually say, has such incredible reserves of mental strength and such a fantastic attitude and such a, a depth and variety of talent that you insist it, you know, that it does possess, why can it not match the achievements of your squads of a decade or more ago? Mm. Um, however... I'm not sure that's a question that Arsene. Well, he has to really... answer
2: it. It's, it's an imaginary situation and he has to answer it. So that's it. We
1: torture well, him until he Well, that's what I answered. would ask him. Yeah. I, I would torture him until he answered I think. Yeah. What about you? What would you ask? I what think. What Boroprimarash really does? Or?
2: No, I think I would probably w- want to understand why he's unwilling to take risks in the transfer market. That this right. inherent need for value or to protect the income or the, the the money that the club has to spend it well and spend it wisely. I mean, I think there's something hugely admirable about that in a way because you want to if you're going to go out and people throw out words like oh, five million, six million, as if five or six million pounds isn't a huge amount of money. I know in football terms it's not, but when you you step back from it, still a lot of money. But I do wonder why. He hasn't been prepared to to spend money that isn't like it's not his. You know, it's no. not. It's 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 the club's money that has been earned, and this is something that he's always spoken about: is that you know there's been no injection of uh, transfer uh, uh, funds from two billionaire owners. There's been no sellout to uh, an oligarch. There's no oil money coming in there's no sugar daddy and Wenger has always been a club should spend what it has and I just would like to know why as the cash reserves over the last number of seasons have built and built and built why he hasn't found a way to spend more of of that money to improve the team not just for the sake of spending money I'm not advocating that I don't think anybody uh, would really want that I mean okay there are some people out there who just want that I know we know that, but I'd love to know what the what the reluctance is about. Mm. So whether it's Mm. he doesn't see value, or whether he doesn't feel that players are worth what you have to pay for them. But then you know it's the market that tells you what you've got to pay, not what you consider your price tag or what you think a player is worth. Is arbitrary. Somebody else is going to come along and pay twenty-five million for a player that you only think is worth fifteen million. Sorry, but he's worth twenty-five million. That's what the market says. So I'd love to, I, that would probably be the thing.
1: Okay, well, let's try and get him on the show later this week. Yeah, exactly. I'm
2: pretty sure he's not doing much this week anyway, so
1: it's only Villa at the weekend. he's got a lot of free time. Yeah um, okay, let's have another question. This is from Ian Stone at Ian D Stone and he asks, can a season where we might finish second be considered a total failure, and does it constitute progress? Oh, fucking hell. Um,
2: (laughs) Can it be... It's a really difficult one because you would say, we finished third last year, we finished second this year, by any measure, that's progress. Mm -hmm. But I think having lived the season and experienced the season watched the kind of football that we've been watching, seen a team that has struggled for any cohesion and fluency, seen football which is pretty much at odds with almost everything we've seen over the years with Arsene Wenger in terms of how his team is supposed to play, uh, systems that don't work, players that don't fit together. It's very difficult for me to say that this would be a season of progress, Uh, a season of total failure well, again, we've ed- we've ended up without a trophy. We've not competed properly for the title again. And if that's where the measure of expectation is, like it's not a failure compared to Aston Villa, but the standards that we set and the standards that we expected at the start of this season, I think it has been a bit of a failure because you have to view things within the context of your own experience. Was it within the prism of Arsenal? Like, by, by Aston Villa standards, of course, it's not a failure. You finish second in the league, every Aston Villa fan would swap everything that they have to to change places with us. But that's not the way it works. You can always find some kind of justification for it being, well, well it could be worse. There's always that possibility. I think by having won the FA Cup two seasons in a row, Having Mm -hmm. shed that nine years of not winning a trophy, that monkey that was on our back, we got rid of the monkey and then we kicked the monkey in the bollocks and we fucked the monkey off a cliff. We got rid of that monkey and then we had this squad of players who've all experienced winning something. Good young players come together. We've added some experienced uh, quality talent, some world-class players to that. This should have been, for me, the platform to go on and really, really, really challenge for the title this season. Not talking about having it won by now, maybe just going into the final day of the season where you have a chance, where it's in your hands, or even if you're reliant on another result, you're going into the final day of the season to win the title, to have a Mm. chance of winning it, and we didn't. It was over by fucking mid-February, practically, because of the way that we slumped. So I think by the standards that we've set, yes, it's been a failure, and even if we finish second, I don't think it's progress because... Although the league table will tell you one thing, what we've seen tells you something completely different.
1: I think you're right. I, think as further, I mean, it's not always possible to compare different seasons, but in terms of the pure points tally, we'll be behind where we were last year. Mm. Um, I think, yes, obviously second place. I mean, we haven't got second place yet. Let's be clear about that. Uh, I guess that would be a step forward in some respects, but we haven't won any silverware we haven't been particularly close to it um and the quality of football and the sense that this is a team going places i think is is significantly diminished from where it was 12 months ago yeah uh and that's the main thing i don't think it's possible to come away from the season with a great sense of optimism whereas actually last year and the year before there there was to an extent there were things to feel good about um they feel like less of those this time around. Yeah, it feels like this uh,
2: summer is going to be more difficult because of yeah. the way that this season has gone whereas last summer you went, okay, well look, we brought in Hosel in 2013, we brought in Alexis Sanchez, uh, we brought in Petr Cech early in the in the summer and we've won the cup two years in a row. I mean, there's something to be said about, you know, getting into the habit of winning and not having those doubts that self uh that self-doubt that 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 permeated through this squad and we saw it in, you know, uh, Capital One Cup final or Carling Cup final against Birmingham, you know, this this ability to, to implode, to self-destruct, to not be able to cope with the pressure and even the way we won the FA Cup the first year, okay, we put ourselves in a shit position but we showed the character to come back into it. You're thinking, okay, this should be like, right, move on from here. And then you destroy, I know Villa were shit but you destroy a team in the FA Cup final and and last summer should have been, should have been a real chance for us to kick on and instead the decisions that he made saw the team stagnate to a certain extent. And that, mm. that's that been apparent in the way that this team has played football and, and the way that this season has gone. And I think, you know, we're, we're sitting here talking about, well, will Alexis stay and will Macedozo stay? That's that's not where we should be. We should be going, how are we going to add to these two guys? How are we going to add to the... And, and really, the, there's perhaps an element of firefighting to what we need to do already this summer. So, yeah, again... No, it's not one, not a season of progress for me.
1: No. Nor me. Nor uh-huh. me. So there we go. I all guess right. uh, an emphatic answer. Over o- to you.
2: Uh, over to me. Okay, well, we talked about him earlier. This one comes from Fuad, at Swanson underscore Fuad. And he wants to know, what's going on with Chambers? He hasn't played much all season. Do you think Arsene has him in mind
1: long term? Hmm... Uh I mean, the problem is, you know, we've got four centre halves, and fundamentally, you only ever need two, and, you know, to start, and it's difficult as a fourth choice to get many games. That's why it's hard to get a quality fourth defender, and Arsenal have found that in the past where they've had to keep the likes of uh, Sebastian Squalacci on, even though he was in dire straits, really, because who do you sign who's prepared to come in and play that role? At least Chambers is a young player with years ahead of him. Yeah. However, the, the concern is that if he doesn't play he's not going to develop Um, I mean I wonder almost if uh, if if Arsenal had the requisite depth could they send him out on loan I don't know if it's something we could have done this season given that you know we don't have that many defenders but he he needs first team football I think if he's going to kick on and become the player we hope to see because at the moment he's nowhere near contention is he
2: no he's not Um, and we couldn't send him out because we needed him for cover at right back after Debushi oh, left. True, of course, yeah. Uh, we needed him for cover at centre half in case anything went, you know, seriously wrong there. And it has been known in, in the past that that uh, we've had we've had some defensive uh, injuries. I, I, you know, I think it's a bit strange because he's looked. I don't remember him playing badly this season. There was maybe one half. Was it against Liverpool really early in the season? And he played oh he had such a such a bad half of football that we were all thinking, Oh, I wonder will he take him off. I wonder will Liverpool he take him home, off. Yeah. It was Liverpool at home. And he came out and to his credit he had a much better second half. Um he came on against Leicester. Uh, after Koscielny went off at Mm halftime, and I thought he played really well that day. I know they were down to 10 men for, what, about 20 minutes, 25 minutes of that game as well. But still, he played pretty well. He came in. I don't think he's played badly, per se. Um, I, I just wonder if Arsene Wenger is reluctant to use him for, I don't know, maybe he sees more of him in training than we do. But, I, you know, I... I think when he first came into the team, when he first arrived, you remember that summer, twenty fourteen, uh, some great games in preseason, some really good games early on in the season, and we all said, "Holy, holy shit, this boy looks like a real player. He's yeah. really got something about him." And I don't know that he he couldn't have lost that, could he? But perhaps again, the lack of playing time has seen him stagnate.
1: Well, he took a re- his confidence took a real knock around sort of November time, didn't it? When he was playing at right back after Debushi's injury. And he he actually really stood there. I always think back to that Swansea game Mm. against Jefferson Montero and how difficult he found that. Then Bellerin sort of came into the side instead of him and secured the right back spot. And Chambers, you're right, he's had good moments since then, but he's never, he's not been on the sort of cusp of the first team as he was at that time. Mm. Um, He is still 21 though. And I do think for a centre-back, that's a particularly young age. Yeah. Uh, and and we've seen, Arsene Wenger's been burnt in the past. We talked about Senderos. Uh, we could talk about Juru as well. He's been burnt by throwing defenders in too early, maybe, in their career and that not quite paying off, them not being ready. Um, it's just a conundrum, isn't it? Because you, you do want them to gain experience and improve, but you don't necessarily want to be a uh, victim to those them learning those lessons during the 90 minutes. Yeah, uh, but there is no way around it, really. I mean, eventually you've got to throw him in.
2: He doesn't seem unhappy. So I do wonder if there has been communication or certainly a plan put in place for him that's justifying his lack of playing time this season. Like, he doesn't look like a guy who's um, complaining or moaning. He seems content and happy enough at Arsenal. is posts some nice pictures on Twitter. Um, so he's not sulking or he's not off social media or any of those things. So maybe there is a plan that something yeah. in the longer term um, you might see him move up the pecking order this summer. I I, I don't quite know,
1: but uh, well, yeah, he, he has time. He has time. You know, if you think about sort of young English centre halves, you're seeing a guy, John Stones. He's 21. He's making an awful lot of mistakes at Everton, um, despite his obvious talent, and it's putting him very much in the spotlight. It's putting him under scrutiny. If he was doing that at Arsenal, if Chambers was having a similar experience at Arsenal, the attention would be amplified even more you yeah, know, because of the, the size of the club. And then you look at, say, at Manchester United, the way someone like Chris Smalling has developed. He's kind of having his breakout season, the first year where he looks like he belongs, really, as a centre-back in a in a team that big. He's 26 years old, you know? Yeah. And Chambers is still just 21. So he's got plenty of time to develop. I just think patience is important and i guess in his case his own patience will be key is he prepared to wait to bide his time to play the cup games here and there maybe to go on loan at a certain point if arsenal have enough depth mm. uh, to then come back and be you know be the centre half we hope he can be because there's no doubt that the raw attributes there are are good and are promising and we've seen glimpses of the the player he could become i just think expecting that to happen anytime soon is maybe a little unrealistic
2: mm. Okay. There we are. We'll, we'll wait and see.
1: Um, we wait and see. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the centre half position in the summer as well, because yeah. it, at the moment it's not there's not really a clear first choice pairing for the first time in in years really, you know.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm not necessarily convinced by Gabrielle and Koscielny together, I have to say. No.
1: No, right. There's a, there's a touch of the Vermalans in Kashalny. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, in and, um, and both of them as well. So, um, and uh, you know, I think Gabriel has had his dodgy moments, but so too has Kashalny. So I think trying to find that balance that worked really well between Kashalny and Mertesacker will be um, will possibly be one of the things he's got to look at this summer. Mm, mm.
1: Let's have this question. I guess okay. this relates to the summer as well. It's from <coughs> at Guna underscore DS. And he says. Giroud may have found his form again. Does this lessen the need in Arsene Wenger's mind for signing up top in the summer?
2: Well, uh, I don't know what Arsene Wenger is thinking, but I would hope not.
1: We'll I ask would, him later in the week. Yeah, obviously. we'll
2: get him on, yeah, because he's not doing much, just Villa. No, um, we're so going to lose to Villa now. because of the- <laughs> <laughs> um, No, I mean, I think one of the things in the press conference even the other day... He was asked a question about, you know, whether the the lack of a a really efficient front man had played a part in Arsenal not doing as well as was expected this season, and he acknowledged that. He said, "I've said that, you know. Um, I would be quite happy to to keep Giroud as a Plan B, but not as the first choice centre forward. And I think he's a guy yeah. who can still be relatively effective. He's got twenty one goals this season." you know it's not yeah. a terrible total of goals it's just this spell when you consider he had he had 18 goals on January 13th and then by whatever it was May yesterday May 8th he still only had 20 mm. that that's obviously coloring people's opinion of the season that he's had and mm. that's fair enough i understand that completely but i still think that if you want a, a squad um where you've got genuine options, I wouldn't have any real problem with him staying. But what I would like to see, obviously, is somebody better, more efficient come in. And I think Arsene Wenger is looking for that, but I don't think he's necessarily just looking at it from a striker. I really think he's going to go after a wide forward this summer. Right. I think that and a striker is probably where he's... He's going to be looking.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, as great as Iwobi has been, it, it does tell you something that, uh, I think he might be 20 now, 20-year-old player has been asked to regularly perform in those three players behind the, the centre-forward, you mm. know, uh, at the expense of the likes of Walcott, Chamberlain, Campbell. Yeah. Uh, well back even, to an extent. Yeah. So, so uh, and as good as Iwobi's been, I, I think it would be naive of us to say that there, there might not be an upgrade out there, someone who's more ready to play regularly right yeah. now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that will definitely be an interesting one to watch. I, I always slightly fear when, when uh, a player produces a bit of form at the end of the season. I mean, we saw what happened last summer with Theo Walcott, hat-trick on the final day, goal in the cup final, £140,000 a week contract, and Arsenal don't sign a striker in the summer, and we're rewarded with a... a fairly dire season from the you know I think it's five goals and you know something like three and thirty or yeah
2: I don't think it was for the lack of looking for a striker though I I think if we'd been able to find the right striker last summer we would have have brought him in well I mean it's it's, trying to find it's trying to find that player though who is the guy that can come in and add that bit extra to to this team who's the who's the player did you see that we were linked with a, a guy from AZ Alkmaar Uh, Is
1: that one of Vincent Janssen? Vincent Janssen,
2: yeah, 21-year-old. suspect there's a bit of uh, agent tomfoolery going on here a bit, but 28 28 or 30 goals this season. Uh, Young Dutch prospect, been there before. We
1: we have indeed, and he's like uh, Robin van Persie. He started his career at Feyenoord Rotterdam. Um, Mm. They released him, I think, at 19, he would drop down to the the Dutch lower divisions. Dutch Jamie Vardy! Well, yeah. I mean, to be honest, actually, in the style of play, there's a there's a little bit more of the kind of Harry Kane. He's very two-footed, very, very hard-working by all accounts. Um, Keeps his mouth open all the time. Mouth constantly open like a Venus flytrap, just, mm. you know, waiting for something unfortunate to, to crawl <sighs> in. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you do wonder... I mean, there's there have been comparisons with... Uh, Ruvan Nisseroy. I don't know. I mean, look, it's one of those where that's a gamble, isn't it? But Mm. it's difficult to name the forwards that Arsenal should go out and buy who are ready-made. We've had this conversation many times. Arsenal might have to take someone who has the potential to be a world-class striker and hope that they can blossom at the Emirates Stadium rather than go and get someone ready-made. Links to
2: Daniel Sturridge over the weekend sound like bullshit to me.
1: I mean, what do you make of that? I mean, I, I do think he's absolutely top class, but I'm just not sure his body's up to it. But when did that ever stop Arsenal signing a player?
2: Well, I mean, I think if we are going to spend £30 million on a striker, which is a lot of money, I think you need to you need to be more sure that this player is somebody who can stay fit. And I thought there was something quite telling about what Jurgen Klopp said about him um, when he took over. He said he needs to learn between what's what's pain and real pain. The, the implication being that, you know, he's a, he's a bit inclined to give in to the injuries, whereas other players perhaps will play through the pain, as most of them do. Um, they've all got something going on to to one extent or another. But I think his injury record w- would be absolutely for us to spend that much money. Given our injury problems, it would be absolutely crazy. I think he's a gr- yeah. I think he's a really really good striker when he's fit. But the whole "when he's fit" thing—we've been there, done that. Worn the t-shirt, set up a t-shirt shop, sold t-shirts to everybody else, and now the t-shirts have been donated to an orphan's home, and they're being used on babies.
1: And we, we're about to spend thirty million pounds on those t-shirts.
2: <laughs> I don't know why the t-shirts are being used on babies. I don't know where that. Don't know what the. They're probably too big. Is a lot of them. There would be that blankets. Then they're blankets for babies. That's that's how the t-shirts are being used. Okay. But I, uh, you know, So you think
1: that's a no-go? I think that's a
2: no-go. What about um what about going back? What about going back for Gonzalo?
1: Ah, he's had an incredible season, you know. Yeah. Uh he's had a, he's been quite heavily linked with Chelsea, I believe. Um let's have a look at him. 28 years old now. he mm-hmm. He'll be 29 in or in December. Right. 34 starts in Serie A 33 goals in a league where it's sort of infamously difficult to reach that kind of total
2: he's the first man in 10 years to score over 30 goals in Serie A wow
1: he's not doing bad for himself is he
2: Mm. I mean he's he's not a guy who's going to spend five years at the club but two good seasons scoring 25 goals yeah exactly exactly
1: Uh, he's younger than Giroud Just about. Yeah. I I mean, he's not going to be cheap. He's not going to be cheap. But he is ready-made, I guess. Yeah. He's one of the few who you would come in and be like, well, he should be good to go from the off. Mm. Um, And we were certainly interested in him, weren't we? Back in the summer of 2013, I believe Sure. We certainly were. We certainly were. We still have a... (laughs) Until Real Madrid wanted a couple more million pounds... And Arsene and Wenger went, nose. No. Yeah. <laughs> Furious. Why, Why Arsene? Why it was a very do strange one, actually, wasn't it? Because there was a lot of noise about it and a lot of talk, I guess, from the Higuain camp. But every time Arsene Wenger was asked about it, he was pretty cagey. I think maybe he. It felt like a deal that, you know, he sort of knew he should be interested in because it was a good player on the market, but it never felt like he was particularly sold on it. Mm.
2: Yeah, I do wonder. There's a story there somewhere for sure about how that whole thing went down. But uh, maybe he's the guy. Okay, well, look, we're we're heading towards the end of the show, so I've got one more question for you. Okay. Um, and this one comes from James Black, who is at Rex Thunder. Nice. He, and he wants to know, despite all of the death and chaos, would you still consider going to Jurassic Park?
1: I absolutely would. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to the Euros, and I'm a bit worried that that's going to be quite dicey. Oh, are you going? Uh, you know, You're I'm, going over. I'm going. I'm going to two games. I'm going to England, Russia. Right. And I'm going to Ireland, Sweden.
2: Woo! Ireland, yeah, Sweden. Yeah, that's
1: right. In my Sweden shirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But I would definitely go to Jurassic Park. I, As a kid, I loved dinosaurs. I just couldn't get enough of them. I wasn't aware of the danger. But then as a child, I also once went and played with an alligator in Florida uh, and poked it with a stick, not realising that it might kill me. So I'm not the best person to ask.
2: What was it about the alligator that made you think it wouldn't kill you? How old were you? I was
1: about 10. Right. So at that point,
2: you should be perfectly aware that alligators are...
1: Uh, prehistoric killing machines, essentially. I knew they were snappy and sort of, you know, I, I could see the teeth, but they looked deceptively slow. They sort of looked like they're sort of fat and lumbering. And it was on a golf course at this lake, this alligator, and I went. I had a Canadian friend who I'd made on this holiday, and we went with a stick and we poked the alligator. And then a man saw us doing it, and he told me that, like, their sprint speed is something remarkable, like they're as quick as a horse over the first five yards or something. So I much, stopped... Po- much faster than you. Well, I mean, I've never run more than 5K, as discussed. I mean, I'm no <laughs> athlete. So I, I, um, I stopped poking the alligator then. And do you know what? I haven't done it since. But I would go to Jurassic Park. I wouldn't take my poking stick with me. I wouldn't be so foolish as to play that game with a T-Rex. But of course I would. Imagine. I'd love it. I'd I'd like to see that bit where they lower... You know, in the film, they lower the sheep or whatever into the pen and it just gets mauled. I'd like them to do that, but with, I don't know, John Terry.
2: But do you not feel that you don't necessarily have the profile to survive Jurassic Park? You're not, James, with the greatest of respect, you're not Jeff Goldblum.
1: No, I mean, I've just sneezed because I've got hay fever. I'm a sickly child... The chances of me surviving in Jurassic Park, given how prone to accidents I am, are slim to none.
2: Yeah, slow running guy with a stick—that's that. That would be Who your. Keeps casting. sneezing and
1: rubbing his eyes. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to work. I mean, I'll probably get done by an electric fence or something. You know, before the dinosaurs even get to me.
2: Yeah, death by dinosaur.
1: I'll get hit by one of those little buggies. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I but I, of course, I want to go. Would you want to go?
2: No. It's full of really fucking dangerous animals that shouldn't be alive at the same time as us. You don't want to fuck around with nature and evolution.
1: I guess so. You see? I guess
2: and so. And I, you know, I'm very much of the opinion that if I can stay away from danger as much as possible, my life is better. That's why I've never wanted to be, a, I think we talked about this before, never wanted to be a boxer because I don't like it when people punch me in the head. You see? Oh.
1: Yeah, I know. My granddad was a boxer. It's his birthday today. I oh, just is remembered, it? eighty years old. There you go, brilliant. And he was punched in the head a lot. He and was still going strong. So, you know, don't don't write it off.
2: I'm not saying it's not for everyone. And uh, happy <laughs> birthday to
1: uh, Granddad McNicholas. Thank you. Yes, that's great. Um, yeah, we had quite the, the weekend. I hadn't been to an 80th birthday party before, but this one was off the chain. So
2: much fucking cocaine at those parties—it's just ridiculous,
1: unbelievable, unbelievable. Mm. Um, I would go. I want to go. If 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 someone can make it happen for me, Mm. let's do it. Yeah, no, not for me. Thanks very much. I'd be riding the dinosaurs. I would. If there was a T-Rex riding option, I would go for it. I mean, why not? You only gonna you only live once, and then you die. Yeah, and I might as well die at Jurassic Park if I'm going to die anyway.
2: Well, fair enough. I applaud your bravery and uh, I will... And my stupidity. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And I'll record a nice memorial piece for you here. On the
1: Do you podcast. go on roller coasters?
2: I have done. I don't, like normally, we don't have very many around here. Sure. But I but have. you're done. not like,
1: would you be risk averse with them? Would you be like, oh, that looks quite fun, but if I fall off it, it will be bad.
2: Um... No, because I suppose I've only been on, I think, where, I can't remember, somewhere in Germany or Belgium I was. And I did right. one, and it was quite a good one. It was quite a fast one, but I haven't been on one for ages. And then mm-hmm. the more, the older I get, the more I become convinced or less convinced by people's ability to make things safe. Like, you know, if you see, it probably hasn't happened to you yet, but sometimes you you look at a policeman or a policewoman or a doctor and they're so young and you're going how the fuck do you how do you know how to do anything you can't keep safe
1: at least they trained recently it's the ones who are really old and sort of didn't did their studying 50 years ago and probably forgotten it all they're the ones you need to worry about (laughs) okay at least it's fresh in their memory they've they've revised for their exams recently yeah yeah. they know where the heart goes and where the brain goes and all that stuff
2: and the red thing's connected to their wristwatch
1: Et That's it. Uh-huh. And anyway, Andrew, you don't need to go on roller coasters because you support Arsenal, am I right?
2: Yeah. It's hey. a it's a roller coaster world of football
1: we live in. Exactly. And a roller coaster week ahead of us.
2: Indeed. All right, well, look, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much indeed for listening everyone. We will catch you tomorrow. Wow.
1: Wow. Tuesday. A goodly Tuesday. A goodly Tuesday. Until then. Bye-bye.